I was trying to like sing about stuff that just didn't land at all for me personally. And I ended up challenging myself to write a song every day. And in that time, I was like, why does every song I'm writing sound like a folk song? That's when I was like, oh, this is you and you've been avoiding yourself. Hey, you're listening to Behind Every Indie, the podcast about the value of community and mentorship in the music business. I'm your host, Julia Appleton. Let's get into the show. You can stay up to date on the show by following me on Instagram at Julia, the Indie Artist Coach. On this episode, we're talking to Katie McGee. Katie is an award-winning singer, songwriter, and actress with a career spanning over 25 years on the stage. Katie and I met at a Friendsgiving in Santa Monica, California, November of last year. I was instantly drawn to her candor, killer sense of humor. I knew right away I had to have her on the show. Katie has released four studio albums, starred in multiple theatrical productions of shows like Rent and Bright Star, and you can find her once a month at the Bourbon Room in Hollywood, where she hosts and curates her very own Songwriters Night. Thanks for listening to the Behind Every Indie podcast. I'm your host, Julia Appleton, and joining me today is the wonderful and ever so talented Katie McGee. Katie, thanks for being here. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, You and I have not known each other for that long, but I feel like I've known you for years and years. How is that possible? I feel, I honestly feel the same way though. I'm always like, I've known her like two months, but. (laughs) Two months, like, okay. And I just have to say when you and I met, met at that Friendsgiving event, I was literally on my iPhone taking notes as you were talking and you were sharing things about like your career and just your opinions on the industry and trying to cultivate community and find supportive people. I remember by the end of the party, a, we were like the last people there. <laughs> we were like exchanging numbers and I didn't even like have a name for this podcast yet, but I knew I wanted you to be on it. So... Thank you. I, when you mentioned it, I was like, done. I'll be there. When is it? I'm doing it. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm glad I took those notes because there's so much I want to talk with you about today um, that really just stems from that first conversation that we had. But before we get into the nitty gritty, can you tell everybody your origin story? Like what makes you want to choose this as your life? <laughs> My origin story. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because it's a long story story, but I'll give you the um, Spark Notes version. I actually grew up doing musical theater. Um, I always kind of thought I would like be on Broadway. And I mean, performing to me just was like, it was like never even like a, hmm, I wonder, that would be fun. I wonder if I should do that. I just came out of the womb being like, here's what I'm going to do in this lifetime. So I grew up doing uh, children's theater. I started when I was like just shy of nine-ish, eight, nine years old. And I did that all the way into my 20s until I was in college. And then after I started kind of booking more theater professionally, I didn't do that anymore. So I kind of had set my eyes on Broadway and whatnot, went to school for musical theater, and that's what I have a degree in. And then when I was like in my early 20s, my dad passed away when I was uh, just shy of 21. And yeah, and then and it was kind of like a weird kind of just as life is like a weird domino effect of events that kind of like led me into music. And like, I would always make up songs as a kid, there used to be a um, like a toy that was uh, the thing that Macaulay Culkin uses in Home Alone, the little recorder that he talks into. They sold those at like Toys R Us. Yeah. And I had that and I would like, I vividly remember like walking around my backyard and singing into this and like recording it to a cassette and like you would just record yourself, but I would like make up songs. And if I could find those cassettes, like oh, gold, like I'm pretty sure I'd be in like the top 100 on Billboard with the, no, I'm just <laughs> pure genius as a kid I'm sure of it do you remember what you wrote about <laughs> um honestly it was a lot of like songs about my brother and how mad at him I was all the time 
Um, You know, write what you know. So a lot of that, I was really, like I said, I was really into musical theater. So I would like make up stories. And like, I didn't know what I was doing, but I would like just imagine something. I was such a big pretender as a kid. I loved to just, you know, go do random things and make up complete worlds in my backyard. And so I just started doing that with my words, I think. But anyway, I'm telling you that because I never actually like consciously was like, I'm going to be a songwriter or be in the music industry. But then after my dad died, I was also just in a poetry class. So it was like writing a lot of poetry. I have a very serious degree um, <laughs> in liberal arts, uh, in my poetry class. But um, at the same time, a really close friend from like childhood was getting married and asked me and a friend to sing at her wedding. My friend was working with this vocal coach that like was like the it vocal coach in the valley, like growing up, like he was the guy. He was the one who directed the big choir at the high school I went to. It was like, if you were in his choir, you were like a star. You were hot shit. (laughs) So I was like, okay, like we went to his house. He helped us arrange a song for us to sing. And like, I honestly went in there being like, oh, he's, you know, snooty. I'm like, ugh, whatever. I'm not going to like this guy. And then I walked out of his house being like, give me his number. I have to work with him. Like, I wanted him to be my vocal coach. I went to his house like a week later for a vocal lesson. And and he was like, have you ever written songs? Like, you don't really have like a musical theater voice. And I was like, no. But I always used to get in trouble in college. They'd be like, stop singing this so pop. It's learner and low. And I'm like, I am just singing how I sing. I don't know. So he had me like that day. Like we just started like writing songs together. And within a week, I was in a studio with him. And the only other time I'd ever been in a studio was as a kid. I mean, I grew up in LA. So this sounds kind of like maybe bougie, but this was like very normal just because you grow up with like kids whose aunts, uncles, dads, brothers, whatever are in the industry in some way, whether it's film, music, whatever. Of course. Once he took me to the studio, I was like, oh, wait a second. I kind of, I like this, I think. And so it just kind of all snowballed from there, which I'm sure we'll get into. But that's the long winded story of how I went from being a kid who sang Beauty and the Beast in my driveway, roller skating around. And then... (laughs) And then somehow ended up, you know, here. I love that. Yours was Beauty and the Beast. Mine was The Little Mermaid. (laughs) I mean, of course, right? It's like one of the two, always. And isn't there something like so magical about being like a kid in a music studio? Like even because I grew Mm -hmm. up like in L.A. too until I was 12. And I remember going to the music studio for the first time. I think I was like seven and my mom found out I could sing and she she forced me into the studio to sing part of that world. Yeah. I have the recording somewhere and it's so it's it's bad. I'm like, look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? <laughs> I remember as a kid, I ha- I feel like I had more confidence, even though I wasn't as strong of a vocalist as I yeah. am. Every time I go into the music studio, I'm lucky enough to have a producer for a husband. But the downside of that is like he sees my unfiltered like imposter syndrome and full like full glory where I'm just like I'll do like two bad takes and I'm like I quit I'm done I'm like lying on the floor I mean that's it it's like you have to be like hearing yourself through a microphone is so humbling like Mm -hmm. it's so humbling I even heard um Phineas talking about something recently where he's like honestly I wish artists would release like the un mixed sessions and like soloed vocals he's like nobody like no one on this planet sounds good until it's like got verb on it and has been mixed and you've got this and that and you add an instrument it's like no one sounds good (laughs) so I'm like I just always have to say even with engineers I'm like um can you add a little bit more verb on that for a second (laughs) because I'm like if you give me a dry vocal I'm out that door like there is a Katie shaped hole in that wall because I'm so embarrassed about how awful I am and I've reconsidered my whole life in that moment. <laughs> so I'm like, is that what I sound like? I think that self-awareness though is really important. Um, the few times that I've met like singers, performers who don't have that inner critic yeah. that's questioning like if they're yeah. good, they're typically like, they think they're great and they're yeah. not. So yeah. maybe yeah. Like, maybe that is helpful, a helpful tool. That makes to sense. Have. I think so. I think it's good to know yourself and know your limitations. I find I don't meet a lot of 
people my age who like have been doing this for as long as I have, like Mm -hmm. she's got what, 20, 25 years of experience. And, (laughs) you know, I know I I do too. And, and it it feels, it feels very strange. Um, Sometimes I feel like I should be a lot further in my career than I actually am. But what keeps me like grounded and keeps me like coming back again and again to this crazy industry is just honestly, it's like the people, it's the community mm-hmm. that I've built. Yeah. It's the mentors that I have and me being able to mentor other people. That's kind of like the whole premise of the show is talking about like why community is important, why mentors are important. And I love that you shared mm-hmm. um, that vocal coach in the Valley who like saw something in you. Yeah. I feel like we all have someone in our lives who like saw a spark of something it could Mm -hmm. be talent it could be work ethic it could be you know a unique sound and they are willing enough to like take a risk and cultivate that so I think that's really really cool Mm -hmm. how did you get into Americana music from musical theater like what (laughs) that's kind of a different path yeah you know what what's funny is that they're oddly more similar than you would think I think that like writing for musical theater is closer to Americana folk, even country than uh, maybe not current country, but like older country that was like closer to the folk and Americana side than pop music. You know, I know there's so much like pop music kind of now on Broadway with like Broadway's version of pop music. But um, the reason I say that is because that genre in particular, Americana folk is about the story more so. It's about the words more so than the beat or the the instrumentation or the, you know, all of the things that I think go into like pop music or hip hop or whatever. And so you're going to find a lot of similarities in the structure of a song, you know, and when I was working with that coach, who's still a very dear friend and an amazing producer, and I love him dearly, but he, you know, he's in the pop world, like pop, pop world. And so I was like, I'm going to be the next Katy Perry. This is my <laughs> calling. And I I was convinced. I was like, this is absolutely it. When in actuality, like it could not have been further from who I am, but I was like committed. I was like, sure, absolutely. Give me some four in the floor and I will sing you a riff like absolutely so um the first like EP I put out and he produced it was all pop and I took that to Sunset Boulevard and I did all the shows Mm -hmm. as if I was Katy Perry I mean it was a lot of like high heels and sheer shirts that's really what I was into in like 2009 so I basically started performing up and down the Sunset Strip like with these like five songs that I had that was like all I had and I was trying to like sing about stuff that just like didn't land at all for me personally and Mm. um, it just felt weird for years I was like really trying to fit a square peg into a round hole Um, and then in 2011 I actually ended up at it was like an Australian um, award show so so I always feel like people will be like, oh my gosh, I just happened to meet this person there. And I'm like, well, yeah, but who actually got you there and who do you know? And like, what's the real story? So I'm going to give uh-huh. you too many details because I feel like details get left out in people's like personal stories. And I feel like that's where you actually need the details because like, how did I end up at this random Australian event and like meet the people that I did? But so our, um, <laughs> my aunt and uncle, not related by blood, but aunt and uncle, quote unquote, very close family friends. So my uncle represents Air Supply, this band from, that was big in like 70s, yeah, 80s. Um, they say, I'm all out of love. You, you've heard them. You've heard <gasps> them <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've heard them like essentially in every show where like their, their songs are being used ironically, you know, nowadays, but like there, and then there'll be a scene where it is about love. And it's like, Graham has written some of the best love songs of all time. Um, and they are still out there crushing it like 350 days a year on world tours so like they're fine um anyway so they were being honored at this event and then at this event we were all sitting around and my aunt was like oh graham like katie's a singer you guys should talk and i was like okay like 
I'm a singer, you're a singer. Like, what else do you talk about, you know? Um, But he brought up, he was like, oh, you know, I'm doing this, like, side project, just some songs I wrote. He's like, would you, like, be interested? And I was like, yeah, I'll come sing for you. Thinking, like, okay, see you never, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like, a week later, I get an email from him, and he's like, oh, do you want to, like, I'll fly you out to Utah, and you can come to the studio and sing on a couple songs. I was like, "Um, okay, like, sure. This is actually happening. Like, okay, so I go out. I sing on his songs. It took us like two or three days or something. As I was getting on the, like, I was like waiting for my flight to board. I get a call from him and he's like, hey, I was just thinking about it. Like, I don't think we, I don't think you should just sing background on these. Like, would you want to be like in a band with me? And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, yeah, I think I would. Like, that'd be really cool. You know, this is a songwriter who's written so many like huge hits. And I'm like, you're just like offering me to be like a duo with you like you don't even know me and I'm like okay and by the way he had never even heard me sing like I didn't have anything online like he he just like blindly was like coming out and like Graham is that way he's just like so open and like loving to like other artists so anyway so basically we started this band called Of Eden and um and it was more singer songwriter and it was like he he writes everything just like him and a guitar and so that's how we started to write things and I started to sit back down at a piano that I had played as a kid and then I was like well I'm gonna try to play more and and just see what this is about just being in a room with him and in the studio with him and all that is when I really started to like understand songwriting better um, because I was writing something real at that point I wasn't trying to write you know the next greatest pop hit it was like hey like we this thing happened let's write about it you know or like Mm -hmm. oh let's come we would come up with like these crazy stories and we're like and basically from that that's when I was like I'm more interested in this side of storytelling than I was Mm -hmm. where I was at before and then I ended up challenging myself to write a song every day and I was like I'm going to do it for 30 days and then after 30 days I was like I'm going to keep going I'll do it for like three months and then after three months that turned into a year and I wrote a new song every single day for a year and in that time is when honestly within like the first month I was like why is every song I'm writing sound like a folk song like what's my problem (laughs) like (laughs) and at that point that's when I was like oh this is what I was raised on this is the music that I love the most resonates with me and that's when I started really veering into the folk Americana genres because it was like oh this is you and you've been avoiding yourself because you thought that being in a different category was going to somehow catapult you into a different space but it doesn't work like that you have to be yourself in order to get to the space that you're meant to be so yeah just took my breath away (laughs) see this is the shit this is why I was taking notes (laughs) at that Friendsgiving because you'll be telling a story and then like boom you'll just like sucker punch like this pearl of wisdom first of all the fact that you wrote a song every day for a year the amount of commitment (laughs) and diligence that you have I have so much respect for you like I love to write songs but I cannot if I'm not feeling it one day I just can't force myself well and and the thing for me going into that was the intention was never to write a good song like Mm -hmm. the intention was just to sit down with my guitar or at my piano every day and write something and And in that time, I actually like, because I think there's no way to write a song. I don't think that you can tell someone, hey, the best way to do it is to write every day. Everyone's going to write differently. Like that's just our creative brains will function differently. But Mm. I think in that time, I found how to write for myself, like what flow works best. I basically made a rule for myself at the beginning of that. And I still hold true to this is that if I start to write, I don't get up until the song's done. Mm. I never leave a session without a completed song. Now that's not like a full like instrument. It's just like whatever lyrics and guitar, whatever. And I do that because you can always come back and edit. Like I can come back tomorrow and change every lyric or change the melody completely, whatever. But like you're never ever going to be in that same headspace or that same emotional space or energetic space if you get up and you come back to it tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. again, you can bring different energy to it and fix and tweak, especially once you get in the studio. It's a whole different thing. But that's where I learned it. And so 
it became, it was never about writing a good song. And I think like that's, if I like sit down, I usually wait now to like be moved to, to write, you know, mm-hmm. but learning how to sit down and just let it come out. That's, that's what it taught me in that time. Yeah. I want to go back to something that you were saying earlier about how you were kind of like avoiding yourself, even like mm-hmm. subconsciously in like terms of what genre you were and like what types of music actually resonated with you as opposed to like trying to be like the next Katy Perry. That really resonates with me. I kind of have like the opposite story of that where like I was raised on country music and that was very much like what my parents encouraged. I wanted to do pop. And at that time, my parents, I mean, again, this was like early 2000s when Britney Spears came out with her first album. I was just like, this is amazing. And I that that was like the pop moment. Like you cannot deny it just opened up what I thought music could be. And like I was excited by like the the dancing and the outfits and like the challenge of writing something that was so catchy that maybe didn't necessarily have to have a story like country and Americana music does. So that was definitely, you know, not encouraged, mostly because I think that at that time, you know, I mean, Brittany, Christina, all of those girls barely had any clothes on. And so they were like, no, you're going to be the next Leanne Rhymes. Brittany Spears is the devil. And I'm like, okay, fine. And it's just so funny because I'm 31. I'm going to be 32 this year. And I've just now done a full circle where I'm like writing pop music and don't get me wrong. I love a good country song. I still will sit down to write a pop song and a country song will come out because it's just such a built up muscle, but I'm having so much fun writing pop because I think it's something that I always really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I think when you are doing the type of music that is right for you, it makes all of the hustle and all the bullshit of the music industry actually like not as bad. (laughs) Whereas you're trying to force yourself to do a genre or type of music that isn't even your thing it's like don't even bother because by the time you go through like recording and promoting yourself and playing live like you're just going to be so burnt out that you won't be Mm -hmm. able to sustain it yeah well I mean and the thing is too is like I'm I think every year I'm learning to be a little bit more myself and I think part of that is personal like just as a human and then it bleeds over into my professional life as well like they're they're kind of moving alongside each other. But yeah, as and especially as a woman going into your 30s, so much shifts personally and Mm. depending on what your life looks like and who's in your life and who's not in your life and all of those things. And I think that that influences your creativity. Like it influences what you need to do in that moment to satisfy those things. I mean, it's I'm sure why so many artists you see like, you know, you look at like Gaga did like her her album, the album that she did with Joanne on it and everything is just stripped down, very kind of like folky. It had some pop rock stuff on it. She did a very different thing. She's a creative. Like, she's not going to limit herself to just being this mm. pop, humongous person because different seasons of life are going to influence different seasons of creativity. Like, that's just mm. how it is. And I think I'm similar in the sense that, like, constantly people would be like, oh my God, do you do country music? Your voice is so country. And I'm like, no, I'm a pop singer. <laughs> didn't you just hear me sing about going to a club? I'm a pop singer. And I'd be like, I never sang about going to a club. That would be a complete lie because I don't do that. But but it was like the universe was like, hello, like we're trying to tell you something and you're not listening. And I mean, I even definitely veered towards like straight up country for a while too because I was like, oh, that's what people are saying. I'm going to do that. And that wasn't right. But yeah, it is interesting just as you let yourself become yourself like what you discover along the way and I think part of it too is like it's very easy especially now with social media and just the demands of like well you have to do what's trending otherwise Mm -hmm. no one's gonna see you like you have to be like this or like it's not gonna matter and like those aren't the people that last those aren't the ones that we remember it's the people like the David Bowie's that come in and they're like I'm just gonna do David Bowie because that's who I am and that's what I'm gonna do that disrupt things and and because he's fully himself that's what we recognize 
recognize. I think the audience isn't stupid and they they recognize authenticity and it's comforting, you know, mm-hmm. and it's so, yeah. And I'm trying to lean more into that as much as I can. And don't get me wrong. Like, I still have those moments where I'm like, my songs aren't cool enough. Like, they don't sound like this person or that person. Yep. Like, why isn't the production like this? Or why isn't this? And I'm like, well, you got to grow still. Like, there's still more, like, it's very easy to call it jealousy or like, oh, I'm envious of this person. And I'm like, and I've tried to shift my mindset to be like, okay, I'm not jealous, but I'm inspired by mm-hmm. something in that person. I'm inspired by something in that music. Um, and so if I'm inspired by it, I don't have to be exactly that, but I can draw from it and find my version of it. You know, I love that so much. I feel like as artists, we are always towing the line between like, we want to have clear branding. We want to be able to, you know, have, I hate this term, but like our elevator pitch, you meet somebody and they're like, what do you do? I hate, uh, I don't know. Like you want to be able to say like, I'm an Americana artist or like I coined the term suburban pop for my artist project. Cause I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't exactly know what it is, but I feel like just having a term for it and being able to give a couple of references. Like I always tell people, Mm -hmm. I'm like, if Michelle Branch and Cheryl Crow had a baby, like that's kind of what I'm going for. And it's helpful because it tells people like exactly, you know, what your vibe is and it will let them know whether or not they want to like stick around or like keep Mm -hmm. scrolling. And I'm like, I want you to keep scrolling if like, I'm not your vibe. I don't want just anybody to like be a follower. Like I want genuine fans. I want people in my circle who like my music and want more of what I'm doing. I think, Mm -hmm. I think in order to get to that place though, of like staying authentic in the midst of having like your elevator pitch, your branding. And it's like, to me, I needed space. I needed permission. I needed to give myself permission, A, to like try and fail. Like the artist project I put out this past November, it was going to be a pop country artist project. I had like eight songs demoed. Some of them were already like I have two singles fully recorded. They sound great. And I heard them back and I was like, this isn't it. Like mm-hmm. and the songs sound great. And I'd love to get them, you know, pitched or placed with like right. the right artist. But that it's hard to let go of that when you've put the work in and when you've spent the money and involved other people, producers and whatnot to say, hey, I'm going to actually totally change course. But like you said, like we evolve as we get older and as life happens. And I don't think any of us want to feel boxed in, even Mm -hmm. if our brand is like kick ass. I think the best way to do that is by knowing who you are, because then you can be more flexible. But if you're always trying to mold into something else, the second you're presented with a new idea, you're going to fully mold and be a chameleon to that thing. And then all of a sudden you're doing that and then you're doing this. And then so it's not like you're taking yourself and all these things. You're letting them like invade your space, you know? That's so interesting. Yes. Hey guys, it's Julia just popping in to let you know that today's episode of Behind Every Indie is brought to you by, well, me. In addition to being a podcast host and an artist myself, I am also a coach for indie artists like you. Whether you need artist development, songwriting help, or just someone to bounce career ideas off of, I am passionate about helping artists find their voice and achieve their musical goals. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, I'd love to hear from you. You can book your first 30-minute session free at juliaappleton.com or by following me on Instagram at Julia, the Indie Artist Coach where you can also see me make a complete fool of myself with ridiculous lip sync reels. (laughs) Before we get back into the show, here's a clip off of Katie McGee's self-titled EP, Here's Another Man. Right 
I really want to ask you, so you brought a few things up at the Friendsgiving event that I want to, I want to pick your brain on. I think that the magic sentence that you said that made me want to be friends with you was you were talking about like finding supportive people in the music industry and like how important that is. Like, I know that's kind of a broad term, but I just kind of want to set you free and hear your thoughts on what that means and how to do that. And yeah. Having grown up in theater, I'm used to being part of an ensemble. So I'm used to, even if you're like the principal role in a musical or a straight play, you've got a full ensemble of people that you have to rely on or like you're not getting to where you need to be. You're not getting changed in time. Like, you know what I mean? Like they are making you sound good. I find that it's hard to be a solo artist. Like I, I've never been a part of other than being a duo with Graham. That was like my only kind of experience being with someone else in this industry. Mm. And I assume that being a part of a band makes things simpler, maybe not easier, but simpler in the fact that like you've got four, whatever, four, three, four, five people all putting energy into like, hey, let's book gigs. Hey, let's write. Hey, let's do this. Or you've at least got two of those four people doing something, you know. You would um, <laughs> Right, right. Um, so I just found when I really started to understand my vision for myself as an artist and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do post pop years. And I really started to understand myself. It was hard because I was like, well, I don't actually know anything about this industry. Like entertainment, yes, but like it's not like being an actor at all. Like, you know, they're very distant cousins, you know, like 17 times removed kind of a deal. So I was like, ah, like other than, you know, just random people that I knew within the industry, it was like I didn't have anyone to go to and like vent about, hey, I feel like crap because no one's listening to my song and I just really it or like, Hey, I'm really excited about this and I have no one to celebrate it with. Or like, Mm. I didn't know where to go for community. That has just been something that has always been very important to me in a creative space is to have those people in your corner who are going to cheer you on and not tell you that you're great, but that are always going to be there to like lift you up when you're questioning yourself or are going to be like, Hey, come back down to earth. You're being a dick. Like you, (laughs) you know, whatever, (laughs) like whatever you're in, you You need that constant because this industry is anything but stable. So you need something Mm -hmm. that's stable. And I feel like having those people around you that you know are there and who are experiencing it and understand what you're feeling, what you're going through, whether you're just starting out or you're the biggest artist in the world. I mean, there's it's a very different thing to be an independent artist than it is, you know, a touring musician with like a full team behind you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I would assume that having you know, people in your corner that you really can go to who get what you're going through is even more so important at that level because yeah. there's going to be a lot of yes men and people being like, you're perfect. And you're like, no, but I'm not. So I need mm. someone to talk to and I'm having a hard day or whatever. So I started um, a few years ago, like especially being in LA and trying to do country Americana folk. I'm like, this is not the place for that. So mm. how am I going to find people? Because I think in, in Nashville obviously there's like it's a songwriter scene and there's rounds all the time and there's places that you can go that are like you know you blink and there's there's 15 on one block you know in LA obviously there's a ton of music venues but not necessarily the community around musicians like there is in a city obviously it's this is more of a film city and Nashville's more of like the music city so a few years ago I just decided I was like well I gotta like make this community for myself because I don't know where to find it. I'm sure it exists, but I can't find it. So I just started hosting a songwriter's night and I literally slid into random strangers DMs. I would just like sit on Instagram and be like, this person seems nice and talented. <laughs> like, and I use it kind of as like my own little like personal like songwriter dating app. I was just like, <laughs> like I want to meet other songwriters. So I was like, how can I find them? So I was just like scroll through Instagram. And like, honestly, I'd invite them to come to like, like play and I would host like 
like two, three songwriters every month. I used to work at a bar that like let me take over their like upstairs lounge. So I just like turned it into a music venue. And I'm still like so close with like these random strangers from the internet that I was like, hi, my name is Katie. You don't know me, but we're going to be friends. (laughs) And because of that, like we really have that support group now where it's like Mm. we can commiserate over things or, you know, it's like we have like spreadsheets with each other. Like, hey, here are the contacts I've got. Here are the contacts you've got. Like, how can we help each other? Because I think that the most dangerous, dangerous idea that you can have going into anything involved in the entertainment industry is that you can do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's when you start to isolate yourself from people who truly love you and support you and want the best for you. And there's no way to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no way you're going to need someone to push you up the hill at some point. So yeah, it's just been always really important to me. And I still do it, you know, post pandemic, I brought it back and, and I've met some really cool people again, you know, and it's just really fun. And like, it's a room full of songwriters, mostly, you know, and so we're all just like, cheering each other on and people connect and they start writing together or, you know, whatever it is. So it's just, I I just think it's really important. I just think also as a woman too, it's very important because we can always be, um, put against each other you know the the narrative is is that like I have to win I have to do this women are against each other and it's like whoa like that's not how it's been since the beginning of time women were the ones who were like hey I have a kid can you help me raise it like in cavemen Mm -hmm. days right it was like (laughs) they were a community they helped each other it was like and that is I think just our natural instinct and we've just let society tell us like hey no if there's room for her there's no room for you and that's just not true Mm -hmm. there's room for all of us and like we're way stronger together. Since I was a kid, I always kind of had this mantra of like, just because they have does not mean I have not. And I just constantly Mm -hmm. remind myself of that and like vice versa. Like if I have something to give, like and be able to like bring someone else up, like absolutely, because there's going to be a time when it's going to be reversed and I'm going to need someone to help me, you know? Mm -hmm. I think you just hit the jackpot because I've definitely gone through seasons of my life where I feel like I have given too much um, Mm -hmm. and I've not put that energy into myself. And after a year of some pretty like intense mental health struggles, I've reflected a lot and realized I also wasn't asking for help. Mm -hmm. I also wasn't reaching out and and telling people that I needed support. And so I was really like pouring from an empty cup. But I think that when you're in a position to be able to give and lift other people up, you should, because like you said, like you're going to need others to lift you up and Mm -hmm. just like Graham and the vocal, what's the vocal coach's name? Mark. Mark, Mark. Graham and Mark, just like they reached out to you and, you know, for a season of your life really helped mold you and encourage Mm -hmm. you as a writer. You're probably doing that for a lot of these people in these rounds, just giving them an opportunity to share their art. It's important. Yeah. Some of them have never performed their own stuff live before. And so it's like, exciting to be like, yeah, come test it. It's like, I actually went to um, like a stand-up show last night and it was all just big comedians like workshopping some jokes that they <sighs> want to take on tour. They want to do them their specials, you know? And I'm like, uh, musicians don't get to do that really. Like we don't get to workshop a song and see if it really lands with an audience. And it's like, that's what we should be doing. Like, oh, because even, oh, yeah. you know, like I... I released these two songs yesterday and everyone loves them. But the one that I thought was going to be the one that was talked about isn't. It's this random little guy that I was like, eh, whatever. Like, I love the song. It's great. It's fine. And everyone, every text I've gotten, every message, everyone that's reposted stuff has been the song that I didn't expect. And even like I was talking to uh, my friend today who helped me produce it. He had posted it on his, on the studio's Instagram. And that reel of that song got like 22,000 views or something. And the other one got like two, like, you know, and it's like, he was like, I knew it. I knew that was going to be the song. And I'm like, see if I had like paid attention, you know, and like, again, with future songs, I'm like, this is the time to do it. Like, don't get so attached to something like that song will always mean something to you, but it's like, put it in a room, see how people respond. Mm. And like, it's not always about the response, of course. So we're like, like, you got to do what you love, but like, pay attention, pay attention to how rooms respond to something at first. 
course, you know, and I think get out there and play it before you go sit and record it and think it's like the next like thing. Because if a room ends up like silent, maybe that Mm. one's just for you and your family. I'm not standing by this idea yet, but I'm workshopping this idea of like, maybe we should do this too. (laughs) Oh, I mean, that's such a good point. And yes, I think paying attention is, is totally, totally it. But to me, the other reason why you, you can't and shouldn't do this on your own is because sometimes you literally can't see you are too close to it. The song has Mm -hmm. too much emotional, you know, weight or whatever. It's a personal song. I've got a lot of songs like that, that I was very excited to record. And you know what? To play devil's advocate, I am still going to record and release two of them because I'm like, no, this is important for me. It's helping me get over this relationship that didn't work out or the season of my life that was really painful. But like, I know that those songs are for that purpose. Yeah. And I think that as artists, we need to have space for both. And maybe this really intricate, nuanced, emotional song that's really personal isn't resonating. That doesn't mean that it's not valuable. And yet sometimes those are the ones that resonate the most because Mm -hmm. they are personal and we're not trying to build anything. I think there has to be, it's complicated, right? It's like multi-layered. Is it like, I think there has to be a mixture of both, like release what you want to release, but don't be surprised sometimes by what sticks and what doesn't, you Mm -hmm. know? Absolutely. Um, And just be open to it. Cause like you just never, never know. No, no, that's such a good point. And I've done stuff where in the moment I've written it and been like, this is it. Like, this is what's I'm going to be the next Dolly. Like, this is what's going to take me there. And then I played on stage and I'm like, that was insanely uncomfortable. I'm never playing that song again. Like, what was I thinking, you know? And so it is. I think it is so such a good thing to like put things on its feet, you know, and see Mm. how it lands. I love that you brought that up because something I've been thinking about a lot recently is the role that playing live has today because technically you don't have to anymore you know but I think that you know you you also kind of do if you want to have those experiences of getting that feedback because you could have you know the best song you've ever written you could post a tiktok and the algorithm just decides for whatever reason that day it's not going to show it to anyone and now you're thinking that that song has no value and maybe you don't move forward and record it and release it whereas you play it your hometown and they're going to have a totally different reaction than what an algorithm will have. Yes. We're relying on this like piece of technology to tell us whether we're, we're going to be accepted or not. And that's silly. Like that's if, cause I, I assure you if the people that were scrolling their for you page were in a room hearing you do that, they'd have a very different reaction than having been shown the same 15 types of video and they get to yours, you're the 15th and they're over that and they skip it. And it's not because mm-hmm. they didn't like the songs because they didn't even listen to it because they were done with listening to 15 of the same videos of people, whatever. Um, I also like for me, I am just, I mean, it comes from being a theater kid, but like I cannot express enough how deeply I believe in honing your ability to be a performer. You can Mm. be a songwriter all day long, but if you want to be on stage entertaining people, you better learn how to do that. It's Mm. a different thing. And what I've seen a lot is even people, you know, I've seen small shows, even some that come through a songwriter's night that are great songwriters or they're just getting started or they've had a good reaction on social media, media. but they don't understand the stage. Mm. And it becomes not awkward or bad to watch, but it's just not captivating. And the people that I think have a longevity in their career as a performer, that is, you have to learn that separately. And Mm. however you have to learn that for yourself, go for it, you know? But I I always find, you can tell when someone's an entertainer, look at Garth Brooks can sit on a stool Mm. in an arena in Vegas and captivate people for three hours. You know what I mean? There are people who have pyro and... And all of these things that you go to their show and within 20 minutes, you're on your phone checking your Instagram because you're like, "Mm, it's the same song over and over and over. So it's, you know what I mean? So I just think like you don't necessarily have to be that performer anymore. You don't have to be on a stage. You don't have to do those things. You can be really good at sitting behind your phone. And I'm not like I do not get a reaction on the Internet at all. Like that is not my strong suit. And but some people are really good at 
support that, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's like, I have to learn how to do that. That's the point where I have to learn. And they might have to learn how to translate that to a stage. Mm. So there's always room to grow, Julia. Always, room, always to grow. room to grow. <laughs> okay. Another reason why this podcast exists is because I feel like it is criminal how little education people yes. have about the music industry. I mean, I went to school for it and I'm still learning stuff all yeah. the time. Yeah. There's just so much that goes like unspoken and then you're just like left to figure it out. Again, why community is important. I can't tell you mm-hmm. how many times I've texted friends or they've texted me and been like, hey, I'm working with this new sync agent and I need to send this and then they connect me with this website I've never heard of and now I realize it's the most important website if you want to share your music with the sync. Are you talking about disco? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But like, I didn't know about it two years ago. Like, what are you talking about? And now it's so useful. Like I used it pre-release. I was able to send my album, my EP to people and be like, hey, listen, just like get it out there, like Mm -hmm. kind of whatever. And it's not getting me streams or anything, but at least is putting it out into the ether. And like, I know it's protected. Like it's not going to be, it's not just me sending them an MP3 and an email. Absolutely. So education, education, just having people in your corner that are, again, in the industry and understand it, maybe you're 10 steps ahead, two steps ahead, whatever. Um, I just think those relationships are so important. And you got to put yourself in the room, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think being the dumbest one in the room is your safest bet, because that means you're in a room with really smart people. And so if you're the smartest person in the room, like run, like you are not going to help yourself there, you know, like you're never going to grow. Oh, I used to really recoil at the idea of networking and putting myself out there. Like sales is not my shtick. Nine times out of 10, if you just get to know somebody, like I said, kind of artist to artist, person to person, like if you put out something that is good, like if you put on a show that is really good, they're going to offer their help or they're going to, they're going to show up for you in some way Mm -hmm. without having to ask, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I've had that happen, you know, where it's like, I'm not asking anyone for anything. And then randomly they're like, hey, can I send this to so-and-so? And I'm like, absolutely, please mm-hmm. do. Um, mm-hmm. But I I just think like the human part of it needs to be emphasized more is that we're all, even the biggest execs in this industry, like have families and, you know, like melt when they see their grandmother. You know what I mean? Like they're humans. Mm-hmm. So it's like. If you can approach it from that standpoint, I think, because I, I hate networking. I feel like an absolute turd when I do it and I feel weird <laughs> and I just feel like I'm the awkward one and that I'm putting them out in some way. One day I was working and none other than Paul McCartney sat at my table. I didn't, did I tell you this at Thanksgiving? Cause I feel like this is my, like, this is my party story, but <laughs> did, but please share it okay. with the listeners. <laughs> so basically, but like what I'm saying is that like, so Paul McCartney sits at my table. I don't bug him. Like he's eating. Obviously I have to talk to him. Um, but at the end, like we talked about songwriting and we talked about music and he told me stories about like when he got started and I was sharing my stories and like, this is, this is Paul McCartney. Like, you know, he could have just been like, Oh yeah, thanks so much. You know? And, And like he genuinely took my compliment of liking his music as if he's never heard it before, as if someone Mm. doesn't tell him that 55 times a day, you know, Mm. and because and I think it's because, again, it was like, hey, like, oh, my God, I love what you do. And he's like, what? Thank you. Like, he's still just a guy who got lucky and gets to do what he loves every day, you know? Mm. So I think like, it doesn't matter. Like we're all these music nerds who just want to play, you know? Mm. I totally agree. I I love that story. I don't know if I would have been able to have any chill with Paul McCartney. I I, I genuinely think I would have gone to the back office and said to the manager, because I worked in restaurants too, I would have been like, I'm yep. dead. I've died. I need someone else to cover my like, section. Thank I you kid so you not. I, because I served a lot of people, obviously, that are like big names at Soho House, but like I made a decision. I was like, I don't generally like chit chat with any of them because I'm like, I don't, first of all, I don't really care, but also just like out of respect, this is a place they come where they don't have to deal with that. So, but I was like, if I get fired today, I give two shits. Like, (laughs) tell me to leave, get security. I don't care. I was like, I will be talking to Paul McCartney. Like this is, this is going to happen. That's amazing. I love that so much. 
Oh, okay. I want you to tell everybody what we can expect from you this year as an artist. Honestly, like my goal is absurd this year. Like I want to release like an absurd amount of music. Like I just sort of really want to explore more for myself as an artist and as a producer. So I'm really trying to focus on just like a high amount of work so I can really dig in and like see what's there as opposed to like, because the stuff I'm releasing now is actually really old. It's quite old. So we remixed it, but it's old stuff. So I really want to like release new stuff, but also write new stuff, do more covers, kind of play around with just what's out there and the artists that I love. And um, so I'm going to be doing that this year, just like a stupid amount of content and then entertain people, but also do it for selfish reasons. (laughs) I can't wait to hear it. Okay. I have loved this conversation. I am so tempted to talk to you for four more hours, but (laughs) we are going to move into the final phase of our episode, the speed round. Are you ready? I am ready. Bring it. Okay, who is your favorite artist that you're listening to right now? Favorite artist, honestly, is always Brandi Carlile. She will be at the top of my list forever. Other people that I'm listening to right now, though, Truesdale is huge. Mm -hmm. Yola is a huge one for me, too. Yeah, those are a few. Spotify or Apple Music? Spotify. All the I don't know why, but yeah. If you could see any artist dead or alive, who would it be? Um, alive, I like would love to see Harry Styles, uh, just because he's like the it kid at the moment, and I know his band is incredible. Dead though, I mean, like I would love to see Freddie Mercury. I've seen mm-hmm. Queen with Adam, and like. Un- unbelievable but like to see Freddie Mercury perform I missed the Stones when they were in LA last year and I hate myself for it I would love to see the Stones perform guilty pleasure artist Harry Styles <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if it's like guilty pleasure but I mean yeah like I for like I feel like I have to explain myself when I say that I'm a Harry Styles fan I don't know why like as a grown woman I feel that way but the man is a genius also let's go with because I kind of put them they're not in the same category at all I take back what I was going to say um Hanson because same thing I feel like I have to defend them but they're so damn talented as musicians and writers like their music now like it's unbelievable like they're so talented Okay, and if you could open for any artist, who's your dream headliner? I will give you one guess. If I could open for anyone. Brandy Carlisle. Obviously, Brandy, if you're listening. No, for sure, Brandy. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like if I was in a room with her and all the people she works with, I'm like, man, I feel like we'd be friends. I totally, I totally know that feeling. And last but not least in the speed round, fill in the blank. Behind every indie artist is... A good community. Like, let's just go back to that. I think it's the only way to be an independent artist is to not be independent. Mm. I just mean you, you can't do it alone. Like, the, mm. it'll mess with your head too much to I do it alone. That. Katie, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. Yes, Please girl. tell everybody where we can find you. What's your Instagram and TikTok handle? What's your website? KatieMcGee.com. Um, it's my last name is M-C-G-H-I-E. So it's not what you think it is when you say McGee. Yeah. Instagram is just my name, Katie McGee. TikTok is Talks, T-O-K-S, McGee. Like instead of Tits McGee, it's Talks McGee. (laughs) So I just want to clarify why I made it that. Um, (laughs) Because I'm a 12-year-old boy. And uh, yeah. And then Spotify, just my artist name is just my name. So (laughs) please go follow her on all the social platforms. Hit follow on her Spotify so you can get notified when she has all this, like an incredible amount of new music coming out. Katie, thank you so much. You're a gem. And I can't wait to have you on again soon. Thank you so much for listening to Behind Every Indie. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It makes a huge difference and it helps other listeners find us. This episode was edited by Francie at Hello Francie Sound and Story. You can find him on Instagram at Hello F-R-A-N-C-Y for all of your podcast needs. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, don't stop making music. 